Well, good morning and welcome to, uh, to Horizon. Yeah, it's kind of weird sitting here in this room without you, uh, especially when we, we laugh together in here and we study the Bible together in here and we worship together. In fact, I think after this crisis, you know, we may uh, not take for granted the fact that you and I are able to, to hang out here together, that we're able to worship together and, and be gathered together as a church. In fact, today I want to share something with you that I think is both theological, this idea of being sanctified, but it's going to be really, really practical. What does it mean that we as a church together, as well as individually, are set apart for God's purpose? Because what we're going to discover today is that what, what Samuel does for King Saul is actually what Jesus does for you and I. He sanctifies us or sets us apart for his purposes. In fact, our key verses today come out of 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 23 to 26. Again, Samuel talking to Saul, who's about to be the king. Samuel said to the cook, hey, bring out the portion which I gave you, of which I said to you, set that portion apart. So the cook took up the thigh with its upper part and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, here it is. What was kept back from others was set apart for you. Eat. For until this time, it's been kept for you. Since I said, I invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. Now the next day, Samuel calls Saul on the top of the house and says, get up, I'm gonna send you on your way. So here's what's pretty amazing here, is that God is gonna set King Saul apart. He's gonna become king, sanctify him, pull him out of the world of all the other places, give him a purpose, and then send him into a new mission and new purpose. Did you know that's exactly what Jesus does for you and I? In fact, there's two reasons why he sets us apart or sanctifies us. It's so that you and I can discover our purpose. So we can know even in these circumstances, even in these challenges, that God has a plan for our life, that the king of the universe is not only thinking of us, but has chosen us, we have his hope, his courage, and his peace. And we've been anointed as kings, as royalty, set apart for a purpose during this time. So it's been amazing these last three weeks. I've, in general, felt initially kind of, this is kind of fun, this idea of doing things kind of differently, being at home a little bit. And then it went from like, this is kind of fun to this is kind of annoying, this is kind of irritating, it's kind of frustrating. My wife and I have five levels of care in dealing with and helping deal with my son, Quinn. And we've lost four out of those five in the last three weeks. And just every time we have something planned, collapse, collapse, collapse. I've been amazed at this same thing has happened six months ago, a year ago. And the amount of impatience that came out of me, the amount of anxiety that came out of me, the amount of frustration that came out of me. But I'm noticing this time, I'm growing. I'm trusting God more. I'm quicker to catch my temper. I'm quicker to be impatient. I, I'm quicker to say, God, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I trust you. And almost um, like an old GPS, remember the make the wrong turn? Recalculating, recalculating. It's like God has been recalculating every time something happens. If I trust him, rather than worrying or being anxious, he comes through and shows me. He may not be changing my circumstances, but he's trying to change something on the inside. Now, that doesn't mean I'm perfect. No, far, far from. In fact, about two weeks ago, somebody bought the giant bag of Jelly Bellies, like the big one. And did you know they were gone in like 24 hours? And uh, it wasn't eaten by my son. 
or my wife. So it might be that though I'm handling my stress better, I'm still eating a lot of jelly bellies. But I am growing, and I hope you are too. In fact, today, I want you to see how you can grow into your purpose that God has for you as you realize what it means that you and I have been sanctified or set apart by the God of the universe. Let's look at those two reasons together. The first reason we're sanctified, I already mentioned, was we are sanctified so that we can be set apart for his purpose, be sent into the world with a purpose. Samuel saw Saul. Now the Lord said to him, there he is. That's the person I'm going to pull out, set apart, and send into a new mission in his life. It's the guy I spoke to you about. This is the one that shall reign, be king over my people. So Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate, said, please tell me, where is the seer's house? Hey, I'm lost. I, I can't find my livelihood. I can't find my donkey. I need, I need a word from God. Samuel said, well, I'm a seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let you go and tell you what is in your heart. Part of understanding God's purpose for your life is that God wants to tell you what's in your heart, that you've longed to have a purpose and a meaning. And God said, I want to help do to you what Samuel did for Saul, to coach you in discovering what's in your heart. I was made for something bigger than just surviving. But as for your donkeys, those things you're worried about, that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And God would say the same thing to you and I. There's a lot of things that you're rightly anxious about, just like those donkeys. But God is working behind the scenes. God is gonna set you apart in what you think are circumstances that feel like totally out of control, and they are, and totally a disaster, and they might be. God says, I've got a plan that what you, you're worried about donkeys, you're about to discover that the, the, you're about to be the next king of the universe. You're about to be the next king of Israel. And Jesus would say to you and I, whatever you're anxious about, remember you are so cared for by the king of the universe. The same God who spins galaxies on his fingers is thinking about you and has a plan and purpose for you right here and right now. Now notice how humble Saul is as he looks at this idea. He says, you, Saul, are the desire of Israel. I'm the desire of Israel. Yes, you're the desire of Israel. Is it not on you and on your father's house that God is going to accomplish something when he sets you apart? He goes on. So Saul answered and said, wait a second, you got the wrong guy. I'm a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel. And my family is the least of the families of the tribes of Benjamin. Why would you speak to me like this? You got the wrong guy. Well, why does he say he's the least in the tribe of Benjamin. Well, if you look at a map, when Joshua took over the land, he divided the land of Israel into these 12 tribes. And you'll see Benjamin, which is here, is not particularly smaller than some of the other tribes. So why does he reference himself as the smallest tribe? Well, it's because in Judges chapter 20, there was this massive battle and the Benjamites got eliminated. The entire country got reduced down to 600 people. And so the Benjamites were considered the least of these. And yet God, as he often does, he sets us apart for his purpose and he picks the weak spots in our life, the confusing, I can't find my donkey spots in the life, I've run out of my own resources times in your life. When you're weak, he is strong. It's when you're weak you find that the God of the universe has a purpose and plan for your life. That's exactly what he's going to do here through this choice meat he gives to what's going to be King Saul. 
Now Benjamin, you'll see, it's right here in this location. You'll notice Jericho's here. You'll notice Bethel's here. We're going to talk about those things in just a moment. And these are connections to how God has worked in the past. And when you understand how God's worked in your past, you're able to connect with what he's doing in the present and the future. Now Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall, had them sit in the place of honor among those who were invited, and there were about 30 people there. Now Samuel said to the cook, bring the portion which I gave you, of which I said, set it apart, sanctify it. So the cook took up the thigh with its upper part and set it before Saul. Now Samuel said, here it is. What was kept back from others is set apart for you. Eat, for until this time it has been kept for you. Since I said I invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. This idea that the choice meat, the best cut, was given to royalty was very much part of the culture, uh, even going back to the time of Egypt. In fact, you'll notice in some of the hieroglyphics and paintings we found, you'll see a pharaoh or a, a royal in the Egyptian world and choice cuts of meat placed before them. It recognized their value. It recognized they were important, had a plan, had a purpose in life. Here's some hieroglyphics showing specifically a thigh bone presented right here before the royals in Egypt. So this idea of this choice piece of meat was really recognizing that Saul was choice. He was chosen. He was selected. He was set apart to be the king. But then he sent into a new purpose. See, they had come down from the high place in the city. And Samuel spoke with Saul on the top of the house. They arose early. It's about the dawning of the day that Samuel called to Saul on the top of the house and said, Get up. It's time to send you on your way. See, we're not just set apart for, to be comfortable, to get to heaven, but to be sent by God into the world to have a purpose and plan. Have you ever thought about the fact that God may have set you apart for a plan? He has a purpose for your life? Think about it in the context of, of the game of checkers, right? For many of us, the goal is to get to the other side of the board. And many of us have tried to king ourselves. Our identity comes from who we know or how much money we've accumulated or what a good parent we are or maybe the, the way we manage circumstances. The problem is, you know in checkers, you can't king yourself, right? You can't king yourself. It's very, very unstable. In fact, this coronavirus has shown us just how unstable the things we build our identity are. They topple over, don't they? They fall over so easily. Things that seem so secure. The way checkers works is that you get to the other side of the board, you put yourself in a place where someone else can king you. The God of the universe wants to place his purpose, his identity, his hope, his courage in you. Put yourself in a place to be set apart by the king. And then you don't stay there, right? You don't get kinged and checkers to stay there for the rest of the game. And, and Jesus didn't king you so you can just get to heaven. No, he sends you back into the game. He sends you back into the board, right? To accomplish his purposes. You might say, well, what does that mean? Well, here at Horizon, we want to help you. We want to be your Samuel and help you understand what it means to be kinged by the king. We want to be your spiritual coach. We want to be your community to help you understand 
what specifically is God calling you to do to go back into the world right now and maybe after this crisis and to prioritize him, to know how to talk to him, to know how to incorporate Jesus and God into your everyday living and everyday prioritizing. In fact, it was about seven days ago I got a phone call from a small group in our church. Someone said, Nick Rotolo and our small group, you know, Nick's been going out, he and Vicky have been getting groceries for us because we're high risk. And yet something happened when he uh, got home this weekend, he fell over and he thinks he might have corona. I remember getting on the phone and talking to Nick and talking to Vicky and like, guys, what's going on? I got this temperature. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I said, well, can I pray for you? So I began to pray right there in the middle of this anxiety, in the middle of this difficulty, God, remind Nick and Vicky that you are with them, that you care for them, that you are in control, that even in these circumstances, you are in their hands. We finished praying and a couple days later, I get another text from a small group saying, hey, Nick is doing better. I just called Nick up. I said, Nick, what's going on? He goes, it turns out it wasn't corona. It was something related to something from the past. They got me on the right medicine. He said, man, I am so grateful for the prayers, the phone calls, our small group, the way we've come together during this time. In fact, he joked, he said, I tell people all the time, I've got nine lives and I'm on number four right now. See, you need other people in your life, other people in the community, other people in the church to help encourage you, to instill hope in you, to help coach you as to how to incorporate this new identity, this reality of God being with us during challenging circumstances. In fact, the Bible mentions this in a couple different ways. It says in Revelation chapter 4 that you and I are created for God's good pleasure, to give him worthy and honor. Did you know that your purpose and my purpose in life, the reason we're king, the reason we're forgiven, the reason Jesus died for us, is that so we could give pleasure, give honor, in how we live right here and right now in this world to Jesus? Did you know we're considered royal? It says in 1 Peter that we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation created in him for good works to to deliver what they call acceptable spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. We're a spiritual home being built up by God in order to encourage one another, to give hope to one another, and to love one another. So that's the first reason we're sanctified. We are sanctified so that we can be set apart and sent into the world for God's purpose. But there's a second reason we're sanctified. We are set apart or sanctified so that we can be changed. Like you wonder, like, what's God doing right now? I want to get out of these circumstances. I, I don't like these situations. I don't like what God is doing. Is God even doing anything? God is trying to create an environment where you and I can be changed, where we can depend on what he's done in the past and trust him for what he's gonna do in the future. So you wonder like, what's it mean to, to please God? What's it mean to give God glory and honor and praise during these times? What does it mean to walk in my purpose? You're gonna need a Samuel in your life to help with that. But the main thing is it means how do I change and partner with what God is doing in why he set me apart? And look what Samuel does here for what's going to be King Saul. As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel says to Saul, tell the servant to go ahead of us. I need to, to chat with you. We need to have a little coaching, just you and I right now. 
And he went on. There goes the servants. It's just the two of them now. Here's Samuel. Here's Saul. But you stand here a while. Well, doesn't that feel like the corona crisis right now? It's like I've been standing here a while, sitting here a while, wondering if things ever going to get moving again. And God will sometimes come into your life and say, it's time to stand for a while as I teach you what it means to have my presence in your life. What it means for you to understand what I'm about to do to change you, to work in you during this time. Stay here a while and hear from me and hear the word of the Lord. That's the phrase he uses here. Stand here for a while and I'm gonna announce to you. I'm gonna announce some things to you. I'm gonna tell you some things that the word of the God is telling you. The word of God wants you to know in this time and in this circumstance, just between the two of us. Here's what he says. So Samuel announces the word of the Lord by taking a flask of oil and pouring it over him. And he poured it on his head and he kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you, you, commander, over his inheritance? Saul's got to be like, what? You've just been anointed king. In these circumstances that felt like just lost donkeys, God is saying, you're the king. And he's anointing you with oil. Now later, anointing will be used all through the church as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And Acts chapter 2 is a, is a sign that the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that you and I are anointed by God, set apart And that spirit, that oil dripping down Saul was a symbol that God is with me right now. He loves me. He has a purpose for me. He has a plan for me. He's gonna change me, right? When you have departed from me today, we're sending him again, so he's being sent. You will find two men by Rachel's tomb. He's connecting him to what God's been doing in the past with Rachel in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah and they will say something to you. What are they gonna say? (laughs) They're gonna tell him that God has a purpose for him. Now remember I told you that what Samuel does to Saul, Jesus does to us? Look at the book of Revelation here. Revelation chapter one, verse five and six. Jesus and the apostle John are describing you and I as the church. To him who loved us and washed us of our sins in his own blood and made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. See what he's saying? He loved us, he washed us, so that you and I could be kings and priests. Now, what is a priest? A priest is someone who represents God to the people and how you live in these circumstances, in these challenges, is representing God's fruit, his love, joy, peace, gentleness to the people around you. But also a priest is someone who represents people to God. You pray for other people, you bring the requests of other people to God, You and I are kings and priests. We've been changed from paupers to royalty. Not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done. Now we give you two aspects of what it means to be changed. One of those, as we continue in the text, is pretty amazing. Because he takes him to a very specific location. 
And this location he takes him to is to connect him. You're gonna be changed when you understand that what God's doing right now is just evidence of what he's done in the past. God has been faithful, Saul, to our people. When we've been good, when we've been bad, when we failed him, God has been faithful. And for you to be changed, you need me as a spiritual coach to help you understand how to depend on God's faithfulness. Here's what it says. So they're gonna come and talk to you. And then you shall go on forward from there and come to a terebinth tree of Tabor. And there are three men are going to uh, go up to God at Bethel to meet you. So I want to talk about this, this terebith tree. The, the best translation of that is a couple things that come out of it. One is that this is almost like a giant oak tree. If you want to you know, picture a giant oak, like the biggest tree you've ever seen before. And imagine yourself sitting under that oak. It's a sunny day. It's a hot day. And you come and just rest under the shade. You can see this tree's been growing for 50, 60, 70 years. It's got strength, it's got girth, and you're sitting under that. That's the idea that when you sit under God's faithfulness, you're sitting under that tree. And this tree is very specific. The word here used in, in describing it, the, the terebith tree of Tabar, or Tabor, is an idea of God's providence. That the tree that provides shade for those around it is a reminder that God has provided shade or providence in protecting his people. And they lead him from this tree. And this might be the very tree that Deborah, one of Rachel's uh, maids, was actually buried under. And so there's a history here of God providing. A history here of God taking care of his people the same way he's going to take care of you, Saul. And it's at a very specific place called Bethel. Now Bethel, this location, like why does he bring him here to Bethel to understand he's been changed? Well, number one, Beth is a location that Jacob ran to when he was on the outs with Esau. It's where he eventually settled. This location, after Joshua defeated uh, Jericho, came to Bethel. So this long history, in fact, remember I mentioned Judges chapter 20, when the Benjamites got reduced down to like 600 people? It's also in that chapter that the, the Ark of the Covenant comes to Bethel. So there's this real connection that even when our Benjamite family and, and tribe got reduced down to 600, remember God's presence stepped in there and God was faithful under the tree at Bethel. See, part of being changed is when you go through challenging circumstances, you look back and you remember how God has been faithful in the past. Now he mentions here that when you go to Bethel, there's some people going to meet you and they're going to provide for you. They're going to carry three loaves of bread. And when you think of loaves of bread, don't think of like, you know, wonder bread like you might get at the store. Actually, when I was in Israel, we went to a a Bedouin village and when we were there, they would take a, a big metal pot and flip it over top of the fire and they would make pitas on top of it. So picture it more like that. Here's some pitas. And why again is this bread mentioned here? Except that God being our daily bread, our manna, our daily provision has been a long history in the Bible. God wants to provide for you and provide for me. Remember what Jesus said when he taught us how to pray? Give us this day our daily bread. God, give me enough strength, enough hope, and enough courage to make it through the next day and the next minute. So that's all the ideas going on here is that when you depend on God, 
recognize his faithfulness in the past and you trust him for his faithfulness in the future, you're transformed. When you recognize him as your daily bread, you're transformed from the inside out. And then what happens is how this verse ends for today. In chapter 10, verse 6, it says, then, after you've reflected on that, after you've gone there, after you've understood that, then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you God's going to king you. He's going to come upon you. You're going to have his presence near you. And you will be turned into another man. If you've ever want to beat back some old habits, if you ever want to say, I've run out of patience, I've run out of compassion, I've run out of strength, I've run out of courage, I've run out of, of false optimism, you're in a perfect place to say, God, I need you to come and set me apart Fill me up, change me into another man or woman so I can go into the world knowing you are with me. In fact, the New Testament says something similar. It says, behold, when you're in Christ as a Christian, you become a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now, you might say, Chad, I I want that to be true. I just don't know how to incorporate that into my life. I'm not sure how to make that part of my everyday living. You know, here while I'm quarantined or here while I'm running a business or here while I'm trying to navigate all kinds of complex circumstances. That's why you and I need a spiritual coach. Saul doesn't know how to be a king. Samuel's gonna be his spiritual coach during this time. And I wanna provide the same thing for you. In fact, It might be interesting during this time, as you've been thinking about maybe having some more quiet time, reflecting on your spiritual priorities or whether or not you need some spiritual priorities, maybe you're saying, I'd love to have a coach like that. Find a spiritual coach here at Horizon, right? Find a spiritual coach at Horizon. I get the opportunity to coach you through these online services and the reflections we're doing on on Tuesdays and Thursdays with Drew and I. We're equipping you, we're teaching you, we're, we're helping you understand what God's doing in your life. However, we need, like Nick talked about, people around us, near us, to help encourage us, to check on us, to pray for us. Someone to help us figure out how to live out this new purpose and identity. In fact, that's what we're here for as a church right now, during this time and beyond. How can we come alongside you and help you? We want to be your spiritual coach during this time. Do you have a spiritual coach? A leader, a friend, someone who can help guide you during these challenging times? You might say, well, Chad, you're kind of doing it and Drew's kind of doing it through the online services. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And it's been humbling to to get notes from you. I got a note yesterday from someone saying, hey, I've been going to church for many, many years in a denomination and I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. But just one month at Horizon, and I have become a Christian. I finally get it, and I am eternally grateful. So as your leader, I'm very honored and, and humbled that I get an opportunity to, to talk with you, to equip you. In fact, we call this service our equipping service because we're trying to equip you to understand who you are, who God is, what your new identity is, but then also equip you in living out your purpose. So if you don't have a spiritual coach, give us a call. Call the office. They might connect you to me, might connect you to Drew, connect you to Tammy. But let's get connected. Maybe you know John better than someone else. Whoever you know at the church, call us, email us, text us. Let's walk with you through these challenging times and show and help and pray and guide in discovering your purpose as we go through these challenges. 
together as a church. Don't you want to feel not just theoretically not alone because the God of the universe is here, but practically not alone because the body of Christ is with you? I got to tell you, I had an opportunity to uh, experience this firsthand in the last, I guess, two months, but the last week in particular. Let me go back a few years. I got an opportunity to perform a, a, a wedding ceremony for Stacy and Justin, and it was awesome. We did it out at the, uh, the Milford area. We did a nature center is where their wedding was performed. I was really honored to be part of the ceremony, and they sit every week here and, and have been growing, and Justin came to know Jesus here at our church, and they got married because of the promptings of other people in their life. But about three or four months ago, Justin came up to me after the service and Stacy and said, we need some prayer. I said, what's going on? And he couldn't even talk. It wasn't because of emotion, it's because his wife Stacy told me that he's been diagnosed with ALS. And all of a sudden, their whole world is shaking. All of a sudden, they don't know what they're going to do and everything seems totally out of control. Their little girl was asking all kinds of questions. Why would God do this? What's going on? Help me understand. What does this mean? And walking with Stacy and walking with Justin during this incredibly challenging time, praying for them and talking with them, encouraging them. About two weeks ago, I got a, a text from Sierra Strong, our children's director, and she said, hey, I was reaching out to Stacy. They're doing some experimental um, medication out in L.A., and I talked with her, I prayed with her, I'm giving her some encouragement, helping her daughter, but maybe you ought to check in. So I called, and they were over in L.A. when I talked to them last week, and I said, what's going on? They said, well, it's not looking good, but man, we, we just really covet your prayers. And so I, I prayed with them, and just had this incredibly real, tender, difficult, but hopeful moment, bringing courage and hope and God into an otherwise incredibly difficult circumstance. I couldn't talk to Justin. She can't be with Justin during his experimental uh, treatment because of the coronavirus. And so just feeling alone and knowing that we cared about her as a church and we were coaching and helping. She said, you know, pretty amazing. It's actually during this time that Justin got a call from a friend of his who said, hey, would you be interested in doing a Zoom Bible study during this time? She said, you know, Justin hasn't been particularly open to that, but he said, you know what, I really would. So she called him up one day and said, hey, how are things going? He said, I've had to lay you know, flat on my back since this injection that I did. She said, what are you doing during that time? He said, well, I just finished reading the book of Mark. She's like, really? He said, yeah. Yeah, my friend encouraging me to get into the Bible is helping me. I'm beginning to connect with God during this time. In fact, I just called him yesterday to ask if I could have permission to share that story. And I told him I was praying for them yet again yesterday. And they said something that really humbled me. They said, we are so humbled that you are bringing us before God. And I just got choked up reading the text. I'm acting like a priest, bringing their petitions before God when they're going through circumstances I couldn't even imagine. And they're almost thanking and being humble and saying, wow, we're so grateful for what you're doing just by praying. And I just realized, I think some of us forget how powerful it is to be God's hands and be God's feet and be his representative of love to people during challenging times. I was honored to see just lots of coaches. The person who got him into Bible study was a coach. Sierra calling and helping them with, with, their, uh, with their daughters. They're navigating these incredibly difficult questions that come up with a coach. I got the opportunity to coach and pray with them. Don't you need a coach? Don't you need a Samuel? I know I do. I need someone to help guide me through this time. 
And look again what Samuel did. He said, you shall go on forward from there and come to the Terabith tree of Tabar. You and I need someone to lead us, to tell us where to go and how to get there during challenging times. And then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you'll be turned into another man. I need someone in my life to help me understand what it means that the Holy Spirit is turning me or changing me into another person. So I just want to say as your pastor, as your friend, let us come alongside and help you during this time. In fact, I'd like to do that right now. I'd like to pray for you, to equip you, to encourage you that God is with you. And if you don't have a time in your life that you remember, yeah, I know exactly when God came upon me and turned me into a new person because of his death on the cross. I want to lead you in a prayer like that. But if you have had a prayer like that, I want to encourage you to tap into the Holy Spirit's voice and strength during this time. Let's pray. Maybe you want to say, Father, I want to be set apart for your purpose. Take me out of the world of chaos and fear and give me your peace. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me. King me. Right here and right now. For others of us, maybe you want to say, Father, Remind me, I am a king, I am a priest, that you are with me, that you have a purpose. And Father, help me to walk and be sent in that purpose right here and right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we will see you next week as we continue our study of 1 Samuel. And before uh, we're meeting back together in this room, I just ask that God would be with you. We'll see you again next week.